Oftentimes, we will discuss issues that seem to have no simple solution. And we're not quick to move ahead if there isn't a peaceableness among us. I know the same thing happens at the church council level, and I believe it should happen in our hearts. There should be that peace that sets in. And if you're just unsettled, then chances are you're going against uh, something that you ought to be thinking. Maybe you need more counsel. Maybe you need to get some godly counsel. Maybe you need to reread the circumstances. Search the scriptures again. See if there's principles that you're violating. Because God is not giving you that peace that ought to be the characteristic of uh, those in the will of God. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott concludes the message titled, The Will of God, and we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. I have learned to be content in my circumstances, whether prosperity or adversity. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I say the godly Christian doesn't just think life unfolds by chance. He recognizes that God's in charge. Now, in each one of these cases, I'm going to say this. Don't overdo this, but don't ignore it. Don't overdo it, looking for meaning behind every detail of life. You and I can't know those things, but we can at least be cognizant and reverent before the Lord. But don't ignore circumstances. Bill Bright, I remember about 30 years ago, shared in a meeting that I was in that he considers every circumstance, and in particular he was speaking of every circumstance where you find yourself with another person as a divine appointment to share the gospel. He said, I feel if you have, if you're put in a place with another person, that's a divine appointment to share the gospel. And he's the kind of guy that lives that out. Now you say, is that written down in the Word of God? No. Can that be overdone? Yes. Can it lead to kind of a legalistic constraint that you feel like you've got to share the gospel every time and it just isn't walking in the Spirit? I suppose it could. And I suppose some maybe have used it that way. But can it be used to remind us of what we're here for? Can it be biblically attested that we're left here to be ambassadors? And can it be used and has it been used in many, many lives to stir us to remember why we're here and why I have contact with my neighbor or the guy at the gas station or the person that shares an office with me? Oh, yes, it can be and has been used. To remember these things are not just happen chance. Secondly, secondly, counsel. First, circumstances. Second, counsel. Guidance from God's children. Listen uh, to the book of wisdom. To me, this is overwhelming. You know, when you turn to the book of wisdom, the Proverbs, you gain insight on God's will for life, God's wisdom, okay? Listen, just listen to this. And when you find something once in the Proverbs, it should be listened to. When you find it twice, three times, four times, God's trying to get something across. Does he want us to listen to the counsel of other believers? Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. 
11, verse 14. 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. 13.10. Through presumption comes nothing but strife, but with those who receive counsel is wisdom. 15.22. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. 20.18. Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. 24.6. For by wise guidance, you will wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. 27.9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friends. Uh, God wants us to listen to others' counsel. God can guide us and does guide us through others' counsel. You think of a biblical example, uh, Jethro came and he observed Moses all day long, 16-hour days, listening to the people's problems, giving counsel, you know. And he said, hey, what you're doing, Moses, is not good. And this is the father-in-law, you know. And Jethro takes the time to say, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out and wear the people out. And he gave him godly counsel. And Moses listened, and God guided him to delegate uh, God's will can be found through counsel from others. Rehoboam, we were just reading in our family devotions, Rehoboam took over for Solomon, and he went to the uh, advisors of his dad Solomon, and he said, look, what should I do? And they said, listen, if you'll lighten the load on these people, the taxation is a little bit too heavy. If you'll lighten the load and lighten up a little bit, they'll serve you. And he said, okay. And the Bible says he rejected that counsel. And he went to the young bucks, you know, the government activists. <laughs> and he said, what should I do? And they said, lay it on thicker. Tell them if your dad was tough, you're going to tax him heavier than ever. And he followed the counsel of the ungodly youth and split the kingdom right in half. No, counsel is important, and I uh, would encourage you. You know, Paul, every time you see, I mean, in Romans, he said, I long to get there to Rome to be encouraged by your faith, yours by mine and mine by yours. How is that happening? When we speak and encourage and counsel one another, we are built up. We're to speak the truth in love for what? The building up of the body. Every word. Don't let any unwholesome word, Ephesians 4.29 says, proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is as good for edification. We can counsel one another and we can listen to counsel from one another that builds us up, and we should. And I wonder, are you? Or are you separating yourself? Proverbs 18.1, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. And there's a certain kind of person, Christian, got their doctrine right, but they separate themselves. They won't listen to counsel. They're seeking their own desire. Is it you? I mean, even life itself teaches you to get wisdom from others. You know, why does a manager walk out to the mound? <laughs> to talk it over. And sometimes, depending on the situation, the shortstop and the first baseman come over, and they talk about it. How are we going to pitch this guy? Should we pitch to this guy? Let's put him on. Is he still throwing the ball, he asks the catcher. Is, or should I bring in uh, a relief pitcher? 
And the more important the situation, the more important... You'll see it in the ninth inning of the seventh game of the series. You'll see those kinds of consultations out at the mound. Why? Because two heads are better than one. Even the worldling knows this. Let's get some more information here. Get some counsel. Let me encourage you, Christians. Let me encourage all of us to listen to counsel. God gives guidance through others. And if you separate yourself, it could very well be that you're being willful and seeking your own desire, seeking your own will. Even though you give lip service to wanting God's will, you're not willing to listen to any counsel. Beware of that kind of stubbornness. The Scripture warns about it. And I'll tell you something else. Get the counsel before the game is over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Some of you, perhaps... You know there's stress in your marriage, but you're not about to talk to anybody about it. Why not? Well, you're going to wait till the game's over? You're going to wait till you've destroyed your marriage? No, get some counsel now. Don't wait till post-game interviews say, I wish we'd have uh, pitched around so-and-so. No. Talk about it during the game. Uh, get, get some counsel. Now, Get godly counsel. How blessed is a man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. Don't get your counsel from worldlings. Don't get your counsel from the media. Get your counsel from godly sources. How sweet is the counsel of his friend, the proverb says. The proverbs start out, remember when he says, they, they come to you and they say, hey, come on, put your lot in with us, we're going to make a lot of money. He says, look out, don't take that counsel. What does he say? Listen to the instruction of your father and your mother. Be sure you know who you're getting your counsel from. Now, don't overdo it. Don't ignore it. Don't overdo it. There's a certain kind of Christian that's kind of just taking polls all the time. What do you think I ought to do? What do you think I ought to do? And there's way too much counseling going on in some lives, constantly asking what man has to say. You have to take responsibility for your own life. Don't overdo it, but don't ignore counsel either. Thirdly, thirdly, common sense. Common sense. Guidance from thinking. What I'm saying here is this. God gave us the capacity to think. He created us as cognizant, intelligent people. He gave us the ability to think, and life is somewhat predictable. I say somewhat. You can't know everything, but common sense, when we use the term, somebody says that's an oxymoron, you know. Common sense? It's uncommon, perhaps. Well, not really. Life is predictable. Certain things tend to happen, and we're thinking people, and to know the will of God is not to check out from common sense. Come in out of the rain, you're going to get wet. (laughs) It's not a question uh, that ought to take too much to think. God wants us to use our head. He wants us to think in life. In other words, the Christian life is not like waiting for cosmic guidance in kind of an odd way. No, think. Use your head. Uh, the, the, The grace of God has appeared instructing us to live righteously and sensibly, Titus 2.14 says. Uh, Deacons are to be temperate and sensible and prudent. All those terms have this idea of thinking, 
Having some balance. The end of all things is at hand, 1 Peter 4, 7 says. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit. Those terms all translate words that have the idea of using our mind and thinking about life. So, Christian, you and I can know something from God. We can get guidance through thinking. Now, don't overdo it, but don't ignore it. Uh, you don't have to puzzle. You don't have to be black and white about it. This is God's will because I've thought about it. No, but it makes sense to get sleep, for instance, before you take the big exam. It makes sense to not try to talk to your husband about your communication problems the very night that he got home and lost the business deal. Don't do that. Or don't try to talk to her about something, husband, when she's been up all night with the sick baby. Use your head. Think. Live sensibly and righteously and godly in this present age, the Scripture says. So uh, discern from the circumstances around you. Life has a certain pattern to it. You know, if you, if you hang out in the rain all the time, if you fail to fix your roof, you know, you'll get wet. Uh, think. God can use that and should and will, and we should get guidance from that. Don't overdo it. Don't ignore it. Uh, when I say don't overdo it, don't ignore it, you know, each one of these are not black and white. They are tempered by the Word of God, all that God's Word says. And they're not inviolable either. There are times, for instance, it makes sense to me that if we want to reach people in this world, we go to the major metropolitan areas. We go to the cities to proclaim the gospel. And in fact, that's what Paul did, didn't he? As I look at the pattern in Acts, he went to the, to the cities with the gospel. And we go where people want to hear, not where they turn us away. And you see that pattern in the Scripture. But you also see a pattern in the Scripture where Paul wasn't content to just stay in Rome. He wanted to get out to the far reaches, and he was willing to take the gospel nearly anywhere. And so by and large, perhaps, we should strategize to reach the great metropolitan areas. And by and large, we should go where the gospel is received, but don't overdo it is what I'm saying. There are times when God will specifically call those to a frontier kind of a ministry. In fact, he'll call people to go where the gospel will not be received. And they honor God and glorify God by going against what we might call common sense, by offering up their life and their testimony and their family and their everything. And hundreds and hundreds have throughout history on the altar of the Great Commission, whether people want to hear it or not, and you have people giving their life to take the gospel to rural, faraway villages where they're not accepted, and God is glorified in that. So don't, don't overdo it, but don't ignore it. We should think strategically, and yet we should think reverently. Fourth principle, the will of God, peace. Peace. Guidance from your heart. Peace versus confusion. What I'm saying here is this. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Uh, where jealousy, James says, chapter 3, verse 16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, and that's a fairly good description of the flesh, isn't it? Jealousy and self-will, selfish ambition. Where jealousy and self-will exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. God isn't the author 
of disorder and confusion. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James 1.8 says. In both, all three cases, in fact, 1 Corinthians 14.33, James 3.16, and James 1.8, whether he says confusion, disorder, or unstable, they're the same Greek root. God isn't typically dealing in confusion. Where there's confusion in a church, there's chance that, I mean, there's pretty good chance. There's, everyone ought to examine and say, is this of God? No, God's a God of peace. And that's true not only corporately, but it's true within your interior heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Colossians 3.15 says. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And in one sense, he's talking about the corporate umpiring that the peace of Christ does. In another sense, when we're in God's will, there won't be that constant churning and, uh, you know, confusion. Now, don't overdo that. There's times when you must move ahead and you don't have certainty. But it's biblical and proper when Christians say, I just don't have a peace about this. I know on the elder board, oftentimes we will discuss issues that seem to have no simple solution. And we're not quick to move ahead if there isn't a peaceableness among us. I know the same thing happens at the church council level. And I believe it should happen in our hearts. There should be that peace that sets in. Now, don't overdo that. Don't wait to move until you have, you know, don't become too introspective, but don't ignore it. And if you're just unsettled, then chances are you're going against uh, something that you ought to be thinking. Maybe you need more counsel. Maybe you need to get some godly counsel. Maybe you need to reread the circumstances. Search the scriptures again. See if there's principles that you're violating. Because God is not giving you that peace that ought to be the characteristic of uh, those in the will of God. Final point. Circumstances, counsel, common sense, peace, and the fifth thing. Follow the desire of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, when you give yourself over to the Lord then He will guide you through your own wants and desires. Now, that's a key principle. Delight yourself in Him. All these principles, by the way, are part three on the will of God, right? (laughs) That we've been looking at. These are all governed by the Word of God. This is all spoken to people who've already heard that our whole job in life is to put ourselves at His disposal. In light of the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Put yourself on the altar. It's the only rational thing to do. Romans 12.1 Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. He really will. In other words, the Christian life isn't constantly doing what God wants rather than what you want. No. If you delight yourself in Him, if you're presented to Him, follow the desires of your heart. There's a principle there. Because the desires of your heart come from Him. There is a freedom 
And as we said, when we were looking at this transformation principle, you know, don't be conformed by this world. That's where bondage is, trying to please people and please the world and be like everybody else. No, be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you fill your mind with Scripture. As you're transformed where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And Christians, right in the middle of God's will, enjoy it. They walk with a certain peace and a certain joy, and they follow the desires of their heart. Now, don't overdo that. You know, we're capable of overdoing every one of these principles. Don't ever overdo it. You say, what is overdoing it? Well, don't ever use one of these principles to clash with the Scripture. Or the revealed will of God. To determine the unrevealed will of God. Well, who should I marry? Well, you don't even consider someone who doesn't love Christ, who isn't spirit-filled, who isn't living a holy life, who isn't characterized by gratitude and giving thanks. Why? Because they're out of the will of God. No, God has made it clear. Who do I marry, though? Well, there's lots of people like that. Who do I marry? Listen, don't overdo it. Don't just marry who you want to. But don't ignore it either. Don't marry her unless you want to. (laughs) I mean, badly want to. You know what I'm saying? It'd be foolhardy. Follow the desire. Don't marry him if you don't want to. God's going to work through your wants. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, I say all these things with caution because... I find that we are very capable of taking any one of these five or all five and governing our life by them instead of letting them be governed by the Word of God. But just the same, sincere believers, you really want to know God's will. You really want to put your life on the altar. These are principles from God's Word that governed by God's Word help God direct us. He does orchestrate all things. Hence, it's foolhardy. To not think when events come into our life and let him guide us through our circumstances. He said, listen to counsel. It's the fool who separates himself and says, I want to do it my way. I don't care what everybody else says. Now, there's times when you'll go against the trend. Don't overdo these things, but don't ignore them. Common sense. He's given us the ability to think. Life is predictable. There's a certain... Sense that we ought to live by. In fact, the grace of God teaches us to live sensibly with sound, whole thinking. And Christians shouldn't be guys that are kind of constantly throwing the dice, you know, looking for guidance. No, Christians absorb this with cognizance and renew their mind and then think and get counsel from others and look at the way life works and make choices accordingly. And when they do... There's a certain peace that governs in life, not without question, not in a black and white way, but when you're walking in the will of God, there's a peace and there's a joy. You can follow the desires of your heart. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Will of God, a message from our series in the book of Romans. 
If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.net. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. We're to be filled with not ourselves, but Christ. We're to think on Him, not yourself. The command, verse 3, is to think so as to have sound thinking. Now, look at that, verse 3. I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Don't think too much about yourself, but to think so as to have sound judgment, sound thinking. He uses the same term, and he puts a prefix on it, phreneo, this thought for thinking, mindset, and then he puts sozo on front of it. That's the word for saved. Think not highly of yourself, but think with saved thinking, preserved thinking, sound, healthy thinking, Christian thinking. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Sound Thinking. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 